Geopolitics and Empire is joined by Richard Gage, AIA, who is an architect of 30 years from the San Francisco Bay Area, a member of the American Institute of Architects and the founder and former CEO of Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth, now independent. He, along with his courageous wife and assistant, Gail, continues to lead the charge toward a real investigation into the destruction of all three World Trade Center skyscrapers on 9-11 at richardgage911.org. Mr. Gage became interested in researching the destruction of the WTC high-rises after hearing the startling conclusions of a reluctant 9-11 researcher, the late David Ray Griffin, on the radio in 2006, which launched his own unyielding quest for the truth about 9-11. The organization he founded, AE 9-11 Truth, now numbers more than 3,500 architects and engineers demanding a new investigation into the destruction of all three World Trade Center high-rise buildings on 9-11. Welcome to Geopolitics and Empire, Richard. Thank you so much. It's just an honor to be here with you today. And, you know, I've been learning from you and AE 9-11 Truth for decades and so you know imagine i i even used your material in my high school and university classes on history and political science to unbrainwash students here uh in mexico so it's a great honor for me to finally be able to speak with you oh great yeah let's let's go into depth yeah and you know may, maybe to start with 9 11 um you know I, I'll, I'll include in the links some of your in-depth uh, explanations and uh, maybe to get sort of your brief and updated version of how you see 9-11 and what went uh, down there, especially for people who aren't quite familiar uh, of your take uh, on 9-11. Real quick, my view is that it was a false flag operation, or I suppose what academically would be called, you know, labeled as state terrorism, or what the late Lance DeHaven Smith called state crimes against democracy or SCAD. Lance had been a guest on Geopolitics and Empire a few years ago. And so uh, what sort of, you know, for people old and new on 9-11, what's sort of the, you know, the summary of, of you know, your decades of research of what, what happened there? Well, uh, let's look at the evidence and see if we can come to conclusions together. Because when I first saw the buildings come down uh, that morning on TV, September 11th, 2001, uh, I, I was, of course, just like everybody, just completely shocked. And so uh, I swallowed the official narrative, hook, line, and sinker. Uh, and it wasn't until 2006, uh, actually, March 20, not March 29, yep, uh, that I uh, heard uh, David Ray Griffin on the radio. And he was giving me all of this evidence. So uh, my worldview turned completely around uh, over the course of several weeks as I verified what he was telling me. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm in alignment with with your view, but that won't mean anything to those who are uh, unaccustomed, uh, unfamiliar with the evidence of the destruction of all three World Trade Center skyscrapers. So uh, I like to begin with uh, World Trade Center 7 so people can get real clear right up front uh, what we're looking at. Throughout history, empires have risen and fallen. Some of the most successful empires were those that offered people a reason to come, often lower taxes and the prospect of citizenship. In ancient times, empires would say foreigners can become one of us and prosper through business and trade. Throughout history, people have gravitated to jurisdictions that have given them the best conditions to do business. So if you run a business, you should consider nomad capitalists because they help entrepreneurs and investors relocate to parts of the world where they can keep more of their wealth. They literally wrote the book on it, The Best-Selling Nomad Capitalist. Find it on Amazon. If you're an entrepreneur or investor and believe you're paying too much in tax, or if you'd like to get a second passport or a third passport like I have, to expand your options and not have to be reliant on one government, there are legal ways to do this. Nomad Capitalist has been assisting over a 1,000 clients for the last 10 years. You can check out their 2,000-plus educational YouTube videos and nearly 2,000 blogs. Just go to nomadcapitalist.com, learn how they can help you legally reduce your tax bill, expand your options globally, and navigate the algorithm ghetto. That's, that's what I often use in my classes uh, to take this evidence-based academic uh, approach and again AE 911 truth created fantastic uh you know documentation and, and, and video clips uh, there was that one with Ed Asner 
uh, which I would show in my classes to try to, you know, to, to demonstrate um, from a scientific perspective that the official narrative just does not make sense at all. Yeah, that's a perfect teaching tool that I developed 10 years ago. Uh, I started Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth in 2007, uh, the year after I learned about this information. And uh, now there are 3,600 architects and engineers signed on to the petition demanding a new investigation. So uh, I constantly refer back to uh, that website uh, but uh, the, all the latest and best evidence is now at Richard Gage uh, 911.org. And uh, it is um, a complete compendium uh, of this evidence. For instance, the evidence of this third tower that came down on 9 11. Uh, I didn't know a third tower came down in, at the World Trade Center. I mean, I, I'm a member of. The American Institute of the American Institute of Architects, and uh, we didn't get ninety thousand members altogether. We didn't get one bulletin on this, the third worst structural failure in modern history, after the Twin Towers. So, an extraordinary uh, building in in and of itself, forty seven stories tall, an acre in size, every floor, and. On 9-11, seven hours after the towers came down, this building drops like a rock straight down, uniformly, symmetrically, into its own footprint. After witnesses hear explosions, it had a few small scattered fires, and NIST tells us, NIST is the National Institute of Standards and Technology, they tell us that these, this building came down by normal office fires. No steel frame high rise in history has ever come down by office fires. This is the first and unprecedented example of such. And so uh, we like to show this building coming down. You can visit the website, richardgage911.org. And look on the right side, you'll see this building coming down right before your eyes. An extraordinary phenomena many of us are familiar with, like the old hotels here in Las Vegas in, in our country. Um, it looks exactly like a controlled demolition. And so uh, it, it, there's 11 videos of this building's collapse, and all of them, of course, look the same. Uh, so we have to ask ourselves, what happened here? Well, we have to go to the forensic evidence also available to the U.S. Geological Survey, to FEMA, who did the original report on this building's collapse. What did FEMA find? They found in their metallurgical examination, which they published in Appendix C of their report, Building Performance Team Assessment Report, BPAT, in May of 2002. This metallurgical report cites hot sulfur corrosion attack on the steel. Liquid molten iron invading the grain boundaries of the steel. Its author, Jonathan Barnett, says, the ends of the beam were partly evaporated in extraordinarily high conditions, high, high temperatures. So well, let's unpack this. I mean, office fires, and there were office fires in Building 7, they're only probably about 500 degrees. Maybe uh, at the worst, uh, office fires can get 1,000 degrees, but not these scat scattered fires, which were few and small also. Um, it takes 2,800 degrees to begin to melt steel or iron. And melted iron, molten iron, is what they found and documented very carefully in this Appendix C, uh, along with hot sulfur corrosion attack on the steel. 
Uh, where would sulfur come from? They don't know. They have no clue. But they document it very carefully. Well, sulfur is added to the incendiary thermite to become more effective at cutting through steel. Uh, thermite's an incendiary used by the military to cut through steel like a hot knife through butter. So we have given to us on a silver platter the forensic evidence by FEMA of ignited thermite. Uh, this, this, is, this is incredible. But NIST, when they took over the investigation in 2004, threw all this evidence out. And NIST is, again, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, who was tasked by Congress to explain these collapses to the American people. They threw it out. Their final report, which didn't come out until seven years after 9-11, completely omitted the key forensic evidence uh, like that from FEMA, but also like the studies of the World Trade Center dust that the uh, U.S. Geological Survey performed and documented and published in 2006 hundreds of samples throughout all the World Trade Center, very detailed uh, particle analysis. One of the things they find in every sample that they don't even can't possibly explain, or they don't, they don't explain, they could have, it's explainable. What is it? Molten iron microspheres, previously molten iron. In all the samples, up to four tons throughout all the World Trade Center dust by extrapolation, up to 6% of many of these samples are composed of these previously molten iron, that's elemental iron, microspheres. So how to, let's unpack that, because this is extremely important evidence that's ignored by NIST even ignored by FEMA earlier. Molten iron, that's the byproduct of thermite. Interesting. And, it's, and, and it also means since it's molten, that the iron reached its, its, its melting temperature, which is 2,800 degrees Fahrenheit. That is unachievable by office fires, thus unaccountable in the official narrative, only thermite can account for these. How do they get to be spherical? Well, under explosive conditions, aerosolized liquids, molten iron, would aerosolize, and aerosolized liquids form themselves into droplets that are spherical. And these are about the di diameter of a human hair on average. So. We have the evidence of aerosolized incendiaries, thermite and thermate, because they find ingredients of sulfur also. Well, this is incredible evidence in all the World Trade Center samples. So here again, we're talking about not just Building 7, but the Twin Towers as well. Uh, so th there's some explaining to do here. Um, we've got also the evidence in all the World Trade Center dust of unignited thermite, because those two forensic examples and samples are ignited thermite. So a team of eight international scientists led by Niels Herrett in Copenhagen uh, does some detailed analysis of about seven different independently collected samples that were sent to them from various places like an apartment across the street from the South Tower on Liberty Street, uh, uh, one on, from the Brooklyn Bridge because the dust went everywhere across lower Manhattan. And what do they find? They, they, 
they find these curious red-gray chips, red on one side, gray on the other, about a sixteenth of an inch long, most of them. Um, and they're, that, so they're dual-layered, meaning they're like a paint. They were applied, but it looks like a paint, but they applied a magnet to it. And sure enough, the iron, uh, the, uh, the paint chip, what they thought was a paint chip, comes up to the magnet. It's attracted. So it has a high iron content. Well, they get real curious. What's iron doing at these levels in all the paint? They do X-ray energy dispersive spectroscopy. That's XEDS. That is fine. They find in these samples elemental iron and aluminum, the key ingredients of thermite. Wow. Uh, they've just made a huge discovery that should turn uh, all heads uh, everywhere around the world uh, because now we've got the evidence of incendiaries in, in the World Trade Center. They get real curious. They zoom in 50,000 times with an electron microscope and they find what? Inside these particles, uh, the, these red-gray chips, there are particles of iron oxide in rhomboidal-shaped crystals and aluminum platelets also. But these particles are at the nanoscale, a thousand times smaller than the diameter of a human hair. This is nanotechnology. So we've got the ingredients of thermite in all the chips, identical, meaning all these chips came from the same source. And they are set in a matrix, a, a bed of organic material, oxygen, silica, carbon. Organic material is what's added to TNT to produce very uh, large gas expansion, which knocks things over. That's how explosives work. Whereas incendiaries work by means of heat. They burn things up at 4,000 degree temperatures, which is why thermite explains the forensic evidence that FEMA documented so well, burning silver dollar-sized holes through the ends of the beams. Fires don't do that. And by the way, jet fuel doesn't do that either. Jet fuel is just kerosene, essentially. It doesn't burn any hotter than office desks or chairs. 600 degrees Fahrenheit, according to its manufacturer. So here, in all the World Trade Center dust samples they analyzed, they find the evidence of unignited thermite. Before, we found the evidence of ignited thermite. Now, unignited thermite. This is rather incredible. They, they take these chips, they put them in a heater, a differential scanning calorimeter, so they can measure the energy that comes out. And they ignite at about 758 Fahrenheit. And what happens when they ignite these chips? They produce what? Molten iron microspheres with the exact same chemical signature as the molten iron microspheres found in all the World Trade Center dust by the U.S. Geological Survey that they can't identify. R.J. Lee did analysis on it also. Uh, and they say these were formed during the event, not afterward, not before. I mean, by the iron workers who are putting the buildings together, not afterward by the iron workers taking the building apart. but during the event, which is obvious because that's how spheres are formed during incredible high heat. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, so, you know, what you just laid out uh, and, and, and the work that was done by AE 911 and uh, now Richard uh, Gage uh, 911, your, your website, I mean, that was enough to get, convince me in the 2000s from a scientific perspective, objective perspective, and it kind of shocked me. Um, and I think the reason uh, that people find this hard to swallow is not even from the evidence itself. It's a psychological, emotional issue to think that, uh, you know, a sort of you get into Stockholm syndrome and 
people not wanting to believe that their governments who are supposed to protect them are actually murdering them. And that let that, you know, I studied history and that led me down studying false flags in history. You know, I believe the 1999 Moscow apartment bombings were a Russian false flag or state terrorism. And then you just go through history, you can see, you know, Oklahoma City, um, the the pretext to invade Iraq in 1990 with the false, you know, accusation of babies and it, it being thrown out of incubators. And then Gulf of Tonkin, 1964, that's declassified now. Operation Northwest, Lusitania. You just go on and on. Many countries do this. You know, the the, the Japanese did it. Um, you know, Israel has done it. Um, Russians, you see many European countries. And so once I kind of understood that history and, and then the work you've done, it's just kind of been like, okay, now a lot of this makes sense. And then, you know, it's been 20 plus years and time is passing and you know we're sort of moving further away from the truth and, and yet washington is continuing to carry out false flag operations you know we got the ukraine war the Nord Stream events uh governor whitmer of michigan uh you know if people look into that i'm i'm convinced that that was a false flag because most of the people involved in that were fbi agents or informants and the plot was entirely cooked up by the fbi there's a new documentary coming out about that and so what would so what are sort of your thoughts 20 years from now and and where we're at with 9 11 truth uh and, and then where where you're sort of uh going with it well um i incline to agree with everything that you just listed in terms of false flag operations this being the classic one um but first, again, for those of our viewers today who are unfamiliar with the World Trade Center Twin Towers evidence, it's essential that we review that evidence so that when they hear my opinions in detail on the question you just asked, they have a foundation of, of the science of the Twin Towers uh, to to rest on. And, and so we've given the forensic evidence of ignited and unignited thermite. Now, not at nanothermite, very high-tech thermite, which leads, it's not made in a cave in Afghanistan, okay? This is extremely sophisticated stuff made only in the most advanced defense contracting laboratories. And the, the team examining the red-gray chips published their findings in the Bentham Open Chemical Physics Journal in 2009. We've had it available for more than a decade, and we've gotten it along with our petition signers list and our DVDs and other reports to every member of Congress and uh, uh, several times, and none of them uh, have responded adequately uh, so we not only have a false flag operation, we have a cover-up uh, on the part of our Congress, on the part of the media, uh, which I've found that um, uh, 95% of which is owned by just five corporations. Who owns those corporations? The same individuals are on the boards of directors of those corporations as are on the corporations' boards who uh, are in control of the corporations in the arms industry, the oil industry, the banking industry, the insurance industry. Uh, so these are moving uh, as a flock uh, together, not to the betterment of any society or individual people, but for their own interests. And we just simply look at 9-11 and find out, well, what happened as a result of 9-11? Uh, we look at who benefited financially. Uh, we clearly see the signs of those same corporations and industries. Um, we, we need to, um, for this interview, though, pursue the evidence of the Twin Towers, if I might, because I think that's absolutely essential, as I mentioned. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You got it. Um, and thanks because 
the Twin Towers, uh, we're told, came down due to weakening of the steel um, and by the fires. Well, the, NIST even acknowledges that 90% of the jet fuel burned up outside the, the towers. Uh, the rest of it was gone in 10 minutes. It simply started fires. And again, jet fuel is doesn't burn hotter than 600 degrees in open air, according to ME Petroleum. But what they say is then, after the initiation of collapse, that the upper part of these towers then drove the rest of the towers down to the ground and then destroyed itself. Well, that completely violates the laws of physics, first of all. Uh, the upper part is the lightest part. You can't uh, drive the heavier, cold, hard steel below uh, as if it weren't even there. And it, and, it, and it begins suddenly and smoothly and accelerates faster and faster and faster, straight down through 100, well, 80,000 tons of structural steel below the point of jet plane impacts. And so... Not only could that not have happened, you look at the videos and the photos and you can see clearly with your own eyes that it didn't happen. What happened was it's telescoping in on itself. It's been destroyed internally with explosives, which we show. And these isolated explosive ejections on our documentary, 9-11, Explosive Evidence, Experts Speak Out. After that top part is gone, that's when we see additional explosions hurling four and eight ton structural steel sections laterally, landing 600 feet in every direction. It's at 80 miles an hour, clocked by physicists. How does gravity work? Down. What's going on here? Out. Extremely important distinction. 600 feet. This is like uh, firing a, a 200 pound cannonball three miles. It takes incredible force to do this. And we track these individual freely flying structural steel sections uh, to, to where they land up to 600 feet all around. Now, before that happens, we have 156 first responders declaring on tape audio interview transcribed and the transcripts are posted on the new york times website because they had to sue the city to get this information and, and they're talking about uh many of these uh witnesses of first responders of explosions many seeing flashes of light as well most all of them before the towers ever came down. Pop, 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 all the way around the building. And then the tower started coming down. Saw a brief light source emitted between floors 10 and 15. And then you saw the building come down. Like, a, like firecrackers all the way around the building. One of them says, and then there appeared to be a momentary delay before you could see the beginning of the collapse. I'm quoting here. So this is extremely important information and a vast uh, body of these first responders. And you add the reporters on the day of 36 out of 40 of the day of reporters describing explosions. Before the towers came down, most of them. A an incredible uh, body of work. And then what do we see? Uh, 20 stories down, 40, even 60 stories down below this destruction going on up above. We see isolated explosive ejections that are hurling more structural uh, or, or solid objects out at, and clocked by physicists again at. 150 to 200 feet per second. These are explosive speeds. So you see, this evidence is 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 got to be heard and seen. Also, 
in order to get a, a foundation and a and a a sense of confidence in the whatever speculation we might come to about who was responsible, how they did it, how they got away with it. Um, we we got to know about the uh, the 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 steel itself, uh, that upper body of of above the point of jet plane impacts of this building section uh it's said to have uh driven the rest of the building down we already talked about that it was destroyed itself in the first four seconds well after that with all of the steel ejected laterally outside the footprint 99 percent of the steel is outside well outside the footprint how then could it possibly have provided enough mass to drive the rest of the building down to the ground. It couldn't have. And yet that's the, the, the body, that's the mass that was allocated to the crushing force, this pile driver by Zdenek Bazant from Chicago Northwestern University in a paper that he submitted just two days after 9-11, a very complex paper that took structural engineers 10 years to decode. And when they did decode it, they found that he amplified by a factor of three the mass uh, up above, and he, he, he uh, minimized by a factor of four the capability of the structural steel below to resist that mass so he completely rigged it uh, in favor of a collapse. This is complete fraud uh, on the part of Zdenek Bazant of Chicago Northwestern University. And so we not only not have steel that's available to crush the building, we don't have concrete either. We're, each floor was an acre in size, four and eight inches thick. We'd be looking for a stack of acre-sized pancakes at the bottom, like 110 of them. We don't find 50, we don't find 10, we don't find one significant piece of floor, uh, concrete flooring at the bottom. Where is it? Well, you simply just watch the videos and the photos in our documentary, 9-11 Explosive Evidence, Experts Speak Out, which is on our website, richardgage911.org. You can watch it for free. And and uh, you see that in all the photos and videos, there's huge clouds of pulverized concrete in midair. And this concrete drifts over lower Manhattan in a three square mile area from river to river. Three inches thick. Every street, every rooftop. That's where the concrete is. It's not even available to provide any driving down force, as Zdenek Bazant fraudulently sought to prove. So you can begin to see why we, we have to look at this evidence very carefully, the forensic evidence in, in the dust, in, in the, the uh, hot molten uh, lava, like lava flowing from a volcano, uh, said many of these first responders that if you don't look at all of this evidence, then our speculation and our, our confidence in our conclusions remains um, elusive. So, you know, my fear as well, uh, you know, we had the assassination of John F. Kennedy in 63, and we've got RFK Jr. now, for example, saying it was, it was I think what, what meant most people by now believe it was the CIA, the deep state that killed his father. Uh, his uncle, um, that took out Martin Luther King Jr. We've got the 1999 court case again, using your, uh, method. Coretta Scott King and the King family didn't believe the official narrative. They went to court. They got the verdict that said the government participated in the conspiracy to take out MLK Jr. And, uh, but you know, as time passes, I'm, I'm worried, uh, that something 
you know, like what what's happened or what hasn't happened with J, you know, the JFK, the truth of the JFK assassination might happen with 9/11, where decades will just pass and then the official myth will remain. Uh, what's what's uh, you know, where are we at right now? How do you feel? What are the best ways to to attack this to get things done? to get new investigations to happen so that the truth would come out because i think if the truth came out globally it would be a global shock that would me have to mean a lot of things that's uh there'd be have to be like a reckoning people resigning um a total shakeup of the government no the truth is out it's just not being televised and it's being censored depressed the 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 truth tellers are labeled conspiracy theorists so we don't have control over the mechanism of distribution of the information at a mass population scale unfortunately um so all we can do is what you and i are already doing and um and more uh for instance i'm making a film called 911 crime scene to courtroom the best and latest evidence is going into it among the 60 exhibits that have already been submitted to a u.s attorney in lower manhattan for distribution uh to a special for a special grand jury investigation um the lawyers committee for 9-11 inquiry is has submitted that and uh they're uh i'm partnering with them in fact, Mick Harrison, the litigation director of that organization, and I are making this film together. And uh, we are, he is giving uh, advice and, and evidence and, and instruction and to the grand jurors because now we're going straight to a federal grand jury, excuse me, a federal uh, court to have the judge give this in evidence directly to a special grand jury because the U S attorney did not, which is why we sued him. Um, but, uh, we did not prevail in that lawsuit. So we're, we're keeping on doing what we can do. And this is the latest, the film is for the public and the grand jury. And we hope for some legal breakthroughs where we have, uh, freedom of information act lawsuits which will bring forth uh, information. We've got a lawsuit against the FBI uh, uh, and all kinds of other additional um, legal actions that the Lawyers Committee is working on. I'm working on them with them because I am, in fact, uh, on the board of the Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry also. And uh, that website, by the way, is LC4. F O R 911.org. That's L C for 911.org. And you can see a lot of great information there. Many others uh, are doing what they can about 9 11 truth. Um, it's going to take time, lots and lots of time to, to break through. It's already been 20 years. I know some people have given up. I'll never give up. And, you know, of course, I'll include the links. The links are in the description. And again, people can donate uh, as well uh, to your cause uh, at your website. And then uh, if I may, maybe switch to something I've seen you cover previously, which I think is very linked to what we're discussing is COVID and the parallels. And uh, I've had a few guests on and my guests and I have, have had the same conclusion. I'm guessing you do as well that uh you know it's it's like 9-11 was part one and you know some call it COVID 9-11 it's like part two uh and probably the same people would be involved because you see the same pattern where 9-11 happens they had the bioterror events around that time as well the anthrax stuff i've had dr boyle on um, who talks about that dark wind all these pandemic simulations a lot of simulations that went on before covid that you know a lot before 9 11 there were so many uh simulations and one of the keys uh, the, the points here i feel is after 9 11 we got the patriot act we got this totalitarian surveillance state infrastructure that was being built and then during and after 9 11 it's like you get a second layer 
of this dystopian infrastructure being built that's now getting into biosecurity and controlling us through this digital technocracy that's only building uh on that and then you know what what could you tell us um about your your thoughts related uh to covid and you know one of the keys for me were the pandemic simulations because you had th at least three coronavirus simulations prior to 2020 of course everyone knows event 201 october 2019 but there was in September of 2019, there was a coronavirus simulation that Chinese ran in Wuhan in their airport. Almost nobody mentions. And then you had urban outbreak and crimson contagion and spars. And I can't even remember them all. So, uh, you know, any any thoughts on that? Well, yeah. And we also have catastrophic contagion. Uh, yet another tabletop exercise promoted by who? Bill Gates, uh, the who, and uh, John Hopkins, which simulates uh yet another uh and more deadly uh virus outbreak which this time in 2025 it's supposed to outbreak uh simulates a uh, well it's it's uh it's it targets children you know where where it really gets us and it's bill gates who says oh the next one will get their attention yeah that's a quote from bill gates um because he wasn't satisfied with the level of vaccination, I guess, that level of fear uh, that they were putting us through, didn't anticipate the incredible uh, uh, anti-vaccination uh, movement, uh, COVID health, COVID truth movement. Uh, so uh, I have all kinds of comments um, uh, on this subject. Do you want to, let me tell you this, the they're the parallels between 9-11, let's start there, are incredible because we have foreknowledge of the events. There are drills, for instance, with regard to 9-11, to in fact, 40 uh, uh, military drills and, and air defense drills, uh, up to and including the day of 9-11 uh, that took our fighter jets far away, you know. And 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 they were and the radar techs were confused as to the blips on their radar when they're having a real hijacking going on, and yet there are hijacking exercises, uh, completely confusing them and rendering any response um, ineffective. And so on the uh, there, we talked about the drills on the side of the of the COVID side, but uh, we also have. Um, advanced knowledge uh, that that gets put out there in the form of predictive programming. In other words, they tell us what they're going to do to us. This happens in 9/11 in Hollywood and the media, comic books, attacks on the on on the t twin towers. Uh, it it also happens, of course, in Hollywood with regard to the uh, pandemics. Uh, they've been these these films have been, coming out again and again and again. See, this way, when the conspiracy theorists like myself and you, uh, uh, conspiracy factualists actually, uh, raise these concerns, people can just accuse us of watching too much Hollywood. That's one of the things. But the other thing is they seem to derive some benefit uh, from telling us what they're going to do to us. Uh, they have to. Uh, apparently according to the laws which they appear to be bound by as well uh, they have to get our consent even if it's illicitly uh, done and they do that by um by, by all of this telegraphing uh, of what they're going to do but um we also have the uh, abuse of science in the case of 911 we just talked massive quantity of science about the truth about what happened to these buildings but the, the inverse of that is the complete abuse and uh, a fraud that goes on in the scientific community by fema and by nist uh nist mostly so we have uh, also uh, a, a climate of fear that has been created you know the the next you remember the terror meter as it goes up to yellow uh, and and uh, even red, um, it, we don't know when the next 
terror attack is going to be coming at us. All of a sudden, it could be anywhere in these hyped up false flag operations, again, perpetrated by the FBI to entrap uh, hapless uh, Islamic fundamentalists uh, in various places uh, who were mostly just on drugs. Um, and then uh, in the case of uh, of COVID, of course, uh, the fear of deaths uh, uh, pr- producing massive cases based on positive results of a uh, uh, a test that it was said by its inventor not to be used uh, to diagnose disease, but it was, and he said you could you could find anything. Uh, anywhere by amplifying the results of these tests, which is what they did. They find lots of cases, and then they try to turn these cases into hospital stays, and then they turn the hospital stays into deaths by giving them uh, remdesivir on ventilators, which is a deadly combination. Uh, so, and then you give they they are giving the hospitals incentives uh, to to have a positive test a B, to hospitalize that person, and if they die, $37,000. So uh, there's an actual incentive to murder these patients. So that's been going on and and proven to be such. So this climate of fear based on these overrun hospitals, which in large measure were all staged, almost all staged, uh, with 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 actors at these hospitals, the, the hospitals people go to are empty to report on with their film film uh, equipment, and so we have um, a real a problem here with this escalation of of fear. You could touch an ATM button, and all of a sudden you're a super spreader without any symptoms. You could bring it home to grandma, and she could die. So we got to be in masks. We got to be six feet apart. And by God, uh, we have a pandemic of the unvaccinated all of a sudden, divide and conquering the population. So we have a solution that's far worse than the problem. The vaccine is killing more people than COVID ever did. Uh, the 2 million people killed in Afghanistan and Iraq uh, and uh, uh, far more than the 3,000 died at in in. Uh, in in New York, so we have uh, the Patriot Act that you mentioned, the Military Commissions Act, the National Defense Authorization Act of 2012, in which um, all any of us can be arrested uh, for being associated with terrorism, which isn't even defined. It's defined as force. What well, force is not defined, uh, so we can be tortured even and assassinated no right to a lawyer trial a jury no due process all because of an emergency so the emergency of 911 transfers into the emergency of covid uh because all of a sudden we have a pandemic so it's an emergency so they can put onto the market vaccines that were never tested uh because they claim to have met the four criteria of the FDA of emergency. Uh, there has to be no alternative, but there were alternatives. Hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin were great alternatives, but they abused the science to to lambast those. We have um, uh, the set, one of the other uh, criteria for an emergency is, is that um, the the, the the remedy has to be proven safe. And of course, it's not safe. I mentioned it's, it's killing far more people than COVID ever did. And uh, they lied about the other two, which I don't remember right offhand. So there's false accounts by officials. In the case of 9-11, we looked at the false account at fire and weakening, um, extreme control of the narrative by intelligence agencies, no real investigation. The investigation of, of 9-11 was a complete farce by NIST. We talked about some of that. The, there's no investigation into the real origins of the COVID virus. Um, it was shut down after they found 
uh, Jeffrey Sachs, in particular, the, the, the leader of that committee, looking for that original cause, uh, now believes that it's engineered in a laboratory and that it came out of a laboratory. So they shut him down, fired him, essentially. Uh, so they have this elusive, powerful enemy, terrorists in 9-11 and, and virus. You know, you can't see it. It could be anywhere. Uh, so you, you, you can get away with telling people how, how powerful this enemy is. So these are among the, uh, incredible parallels between 9-11 and COVID that Kevin Ryan originally developed, um, almost three years ago now. Uh, and, uh, I've been trying to carry it forward and add, give it more detail. And so we have, uh, these, uh, developed on our website richardgage911.org yeah and you know as you mentioned they, they shut down things um from the the, the get-go you know in january of 2020 i i interviewed the author of the Bio, i was the first interview the author of the bioweapons act francis boyle uh actually he, the first chapter of his latest book medical tyranny which i got somewhere behind me is the transcript of our discussion and uh, you know that's when he said corona was a biolo biological offensive warfare weapon and you know three hundred thousand views deleted from um youtube and reposted seen by i don't know how many people and then the associated press doing a hit piece but that kind of leads me to then uh, the, the next question like your thoughts on the direction they're pushing us with all of this you know the end game the goals because now it's starting to get really scary um and and for me the my biggest takeaway as to what's going on is you know what, what i what one of my past guests Edwin Black calls the algorithm ghetto, the algorithm gulag, the cyber gulag, the digital concentration camp. Um, and you know, I'm I'm, I'm banned from Patreon. Uh, the D DHS banned me from PayPal last year. People are having bank accounts shut now in Canada, Australia, USA, just for doing what we're doing right now. Uh, and um, it seems like they wanted to install this cashless digital system where they will force all people to use digital passports, which we're going to need permissions to do absolutely anything to buy food, to uh, you know, drive a car, to travel, to work, and you know that's my biggest fear. And it feels like they they want to bring about uh, you know into reality all those sci-fi dystopian movies like Total Recall and and uh, Gattaca and all, all this crazy Hunger Games, Maze Runner. I mean, you name it. Where do you what what do you feel is their what they're what they're going for? Oh. So now it's now we can speculate because we've looked at the evidence. Uh, what 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 did they get in terms of nine eleven following nine uh, eleven? They they got they achieved many of the goals of a project for a new American century, the project, uh, and uh, this is a neocon think tank uh, that still has its goals published on the website on on the internet the website is called PNAC P N A C dot org project for a new American century. They listed their goals, uh, a year before nine 11. Uh, one of them was a, is regional hegemony in the middle East. Uh, another, a vast increase in the military spending budget, at the Pentagon. So, uh, follow. And by the way, Bush brought into power the members of this think tank with him, many of them, and including uh, Paul Wolfowitz, um, uh, Bill Crystal, um, others, and, and, and who these are war hawks. And uh, we have nine eleven, right? And uh, we have. Bush writing in his diary the, the day after 9-11, uh, we had our new Pearl Harbor yesterday. And so uh, this, is, this is what they, they cited. They're, they listed their goals, but then they cited that these goals would likely uh, take a long, long, long time absent. A catastrophic, a catastrophic, and catalyzing 
event like a new Pearl Harbor, <laughs> which is exactly what Bush wrote about in his diary immediately following 9-11. So uh, we, you might thereby also get some clues about to who may have been involved in the planning of 9-11. Cheney, certainly among the uh, top of the neocon uh, hierarchy there in the Bush uh, uh, administration. So um, how do we, you know, what do we do given all of this? How do we fight back against this tyranny, this state terrorism? You know, you, you mentioned earlier doing what we're doing. You're producing a new film, uh, court cases. I, I know, re, re, you know, related to the COVID stuff, there's still a, a lot of litigation going on. Uh, people taking action against uh, the courts all around the world. Uh, I was reading today, Rand Paul is going to publish a new book. He's still trying to go after uh, Fauci. And so, uh, you know, any other thoughts on how we, you know, continue to fight for the truth and and um and so forth yeah i've worked 18 years and now with my wife gail uh even harder in the last year and a half to create the materials that people need to knock this first domino over that will knock all the other dominoes over this is the domino of 9 11 and the forensic evidence is, especially for Building 7, is so key uh, to helping people come to grips with what's really going on. Because it, this conspiracy is so huge, massive, uh, as is COVID now. Um, uh, some people have a harder time wrapping their their head around COVID. Uh, but but building seven is easy. So like you saw in the 15 minute documentary, nine 11, excuse me, building, solving the mystery of world trade center building seven. Uh, it makes it so clear. It's the perfect video to show people and it's available free on YouTube. Uh, actor Ed Asner narrates it and it was made for PBS and it's the first step for a lot of people. The second step is the documentary 9-11 Explosive Evidence, Experts Speak Out, where we incorporate the evidence uh, in the Twin Towers. So together, this can wake up anybody who's willing to watch it. They have to be willing to watch it. Uh, but the it, it's graphic evidence. Photos and videos are really necessary to see this information. And uh, people uh, wake up uh, anywhere that you can show it to them. So don't sit on this information. Get a hold of the brochures that we have as well. On our website, we have a store. The DVDs are there. The, the brochures are there. You can get 100 of them for about 10 bucks. I've outlined all this evidence uh, on the, in the brochures that we've discussed today. So it's, it's, it's all available uh, for you. you. You need to use it. Send it to every architect and engineer that you can find. Every uh, elected representative and media representative that you can find, everybody else that you know, it's essential. We've got all of us have to do something to move this football down the field, a football of awareness down the field of the lies of 9-11 truth. Excuse me, the lies of 9-11. Uh, th that 15-minute video with Ed, uh, I've probably seen it, I don't know how many dozens and, and dozens of times, because as I mentioned, I had a thousand plus student, students and I showed it show it in every class when we were on that subject. And so, and, and the documentary I've seen as well. And um, so, yeah, I urge people to go look at that. And then the COVID stuff, is there, uh, you know, we talked 9-11, COVID 9-11, the way forward. Is there anything, um, any other theme or topic that's important? for you that uh, we haven't touched on that you want to get across? Oh, no. My my uh, issue is 9-11, and my secondary issue is COVID. I'm aware, as you have highlighted today, of many of the other false flag operations, including the sinking of the USS Liberty uh, in 1967, was it? Um, 
by Israel uh, and, and the lies coming out of uh, LBJ and uh, and the military uh, as a result of that uh, huge loss of of life. Um, so uh, JFK, of course, uh, now uh, being exposed by RFK Jr. As he's running for president, he's got a great platform to get all of these issues out. He's primarily interested in waking people up about COVID uh, first, but we hope that he takes on and uses the power of uh, 9-11 truth as well. Yeah, that would be uh, great. And maybe just to get your thought, it's interesting. Again, the decades are passing and many of the luminaries in 9-11 research are are. Uh, a passing, you know, David Ray Griffin, I think a couple years back, uh, was it earlier this year? Graham McQueen, mm-hmm. I've, I've got his book behind me. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Dale Scott is getting very old. He's been uh, a guest of mine. And I was just hanging out with Ron Paul over the weekend, who's almost 90. And so just y- y- your thoughts on, um, you know, the importance of these people that they've done great work and paved the way. Uh, for many of us, I've just learned so much from yourself and all of these people. And any thoughts on on, on some of them uh, crossing the river sticks? Oh, I completely agree that uh, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Um, and uh, David Ray Griffin is chief uh, among them. We lost him uh, uh, four or five months ago now. And and Graham McQueen, of course, written many many essays. In fact, uh, the, the the 156 first responders of explosions, we know about that because of his work. He read 12,000 pages of testimony, but that's just the beginning of his 9-11 work. Uh, but that's uh, the most important for me. Um, and yes, uh, we, we, we are growing. It's been 22 years uh, since 9-11 and and um, we have to honor those who have given us so much by never giving up uh, their mission of tr- the truth about 9-11. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the, the truth is the truth. And um, I just can't uh, sleep at night calmly, uh, you know, pretending like none of this has happened. I don't know how how others do. But again, your descriptions will be you, the, the links to your uh, all of your work and, and websites will be in the description but if you want to let us know right now what what's your most important project uh or, or or website and ways that people can help uh help you or support you yes thank you uh at our website which is richard gage 911.org gage is g-a-g-e we have an article on our most important project ever and that is the film 9-11 crime scene to courtroom. We're taking the evidence, hard evidence to court. And you can help co-produce this film. Uh, just click on uh, the article, take a look at the importance of this film. Uh, and and it's it'll have a huge effect. Uh, it's a film series. Uh, 15, maybe 20 episodes we're creating, each on a different section of this evidence. So uh, it's going to be an extraordinary um, uh, opportunity, and we're halfway through the film now. So uh, you can co-produce with us. Uh, so $25, $50, $100, $500, and uh, we've got your name in the credits. So please join us in this incredibly important effort. I'm definitely going to chip in as a way to to pay it back for all these years uh, learning from you. I hope listeners chip in as well. And uh, I'm already on the government blacklist. So, you know, why not already have my name in the credits for this uh, movie? And so, again, links will be in the description. I hope people support your uh, the film. Uh, and again, I, I follow your work for decades. It's been a great privilege to finally uh, speak with you. And thank you for being on Geopolitics and Empire. Oh, it was my honor. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast. The website is geopoliticsandempire.com, and I encourage you to sign up for the free email list that goes out with each podcast and every weekend with a collection of news headlines. 
The newsletter and website are our last lines of defense. We're being censored and deplatformed. It's nearly impossible to find geopolitics and empire on the Google search engine. We've been blacklisted. YouTube frequently takes down our videos with strikes. Facebook restricts our page. Reddit and Twitter take down posts. And after the Associated Press mentioned geopolitics and empire in a 2021 article co-written with NATO, our Patreon account was terminated. Vimeo also terminated our Pro account. The best free way to help geopolitics and empire is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere and subscribe to all of our media channels. You can find the video broadcast now on five platforms. Odyssey, Rockfin, Rumble, BitChute, and Brighteon. You can find the audio broadcast on the podcast ecosystem, SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, and so on. My current favorite social media channels are Twitter and Telegram, but you can also find us on Gab, MeWe, Minds, Float, VK, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Finally, Geopolitics and Empire is in dire need of funding to continue. You can leave a donation, purchase a consultation with the host, or become a member to receive additional benefits. We also produce a weekly broadcast called Dissident Thinker for members and Rockfin subscribers only. We will continue to fight the good fight come hell or high water. Thank you for listening.